Quack, quack, quack. Oh my gosh, Duck fans and fans of the Huskies. Because yes, this is a time when we all get together. It is affectionately, somewhat affectionately known as Hate Week. The week we can just get all this ugly history out and just throw it at each other, see if it sticks. However, not here. Here, it is. this is a place for reasonable minds to come and talk about two football teams with a whole lot of history. Uh, you know, like good and bad. Um, and to, to really dive into that, we wanted to get a guest that we've, uh, well, I've really enjoyed listening to this podcast, believe it or not, in the past. Because sometimes if the Huskies are having a down year, that's probably when I'm listening a little bit more, you know. But it's definitely in my podcast feed, and I recommend every Duck fan get it in there as well. This is, of course, the Dog Pod I'm talking about, at Dog Pod. And, of course, it's spelled D-A-W-G. You know it had to be. Um, so, at Dog Pod, you can find them on Twitter. And we got BT from the Dog Pod. How you doing? Thanks for having me on, guys. In this uh, this divisive election week, if ducks and dogs <laughs> come together and talk college football, there's there's hope for the rest of us. Is it isn't it so much nicer to like hate about like you know a football team as opposed to anything else? You know, we don't got to go into it, but well, it, oh it feels gosh. like a good clean hate. You know, that's right. That's right. Strong dislike week. We like to call it. There you go. That's nice. Um, and, of course, we have Hithliday from Addicted to Quack to help us run through this Huskies roster. How you doing, Hithliday? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I'm actually going to this game this Saturday, so mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty excited. And uh, hopefully it won't be a crushing experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I have to say. But um, let's just dive right into it. Hithliday, will you help us walk through this roster? So, BT, uh, Michael Penix. Uh, can you give me your evaluation of the guy's strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. Uh, Penix, it's really interesting because like at the beginning of this, the summer, I think, or even early spring, we thought the competition would be a little bit closer. And as it got, mm-hmm. uh, as it got closer to the fall, you can kind of see that it really was a, a one man race and it was, it was uh, Penix's job. Um, and he's, he's been an absolute blast to watch for, uh, for Husky nation. I think not only, um, you know, the numbers that he's putting up, um we like the way that he plays i think he's a real smart football player i think he's learned from uh from the experience that he's had before here um and the nicest thing i think the knock that he had is is his ability to stay healthy and if you look back at his career uh, let's let's assume that he uh he finishes the season healthy this is the the first time that he will have ever finished a college football season and that's yeah, been remarkable he had like i think multiple shoulder injuries in both acls gone yeah, yeah, he did. And, and and if you look at a lot of that is when you think about, um, you know, if some people knock and say, well, why does he run more? Um, he could be a dual threat athlete and, and there's opportunities for him like bootlegs and keepers. And there's times where we've seen like, you know, wow, he could go for 20 there, but he's passing to a check down, and, yeah. you know, like, you know, third and two or whatever. But, you know, this is what you look at his injuries. This is what's taken him out. You know, 2021 yeah. in Penn State extending a play. And like 2020 Maryland, he's taking off on a yeah, run. right. I mean, that's the that's the famous play, the the Indiana play in which he you know he beats Penn State, and it's it's him running the ball, and we haven't seen anything like that at Washington. Yeah. Um, and you know, I doubt that's because DeBoer is telling him not to, because DeBoer was his his dude back then. You know, like that's right. yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure that's the case, and and, and I'm pretty sure you're you know I I know you're you're correct about the you know his his production in terms of either part of the designed run game or mm-hmm. as a scrambler um it's just you know it's just not really 
there you know like he's he's a pocket passer and that's pretty much it um at this point um i mean he obviously has a ton of production so you can't complain too much about you know not contributing to the run game or anything but you know when the pocket breaks down his mechanics break down and he doesn't really scramble out of it and that's probably be my my number one you know the thing that i would note about him is that like you know if pressure gets home pressure is going to get home you know and the play's probably going to be negative one do you think or at least a throwaway uh think do you think that's a fair assessment yeah, it like he's one of those elusive quarterbacks where he doesn't give up a lot of sacks, um, which has been good, particularly in the early part of the year. And part of that's improved line play over last year, which isn't saying a ton, but there is improved O line play. Um, but he's he's elusive, not in a way where he's not that kind of Kyler Murray downfield threat, and he's not the Ben Roethlisberger where you can have three guys draped on him, they just can't bring him down. But uh, I, I think he he has decent pocket presence where he's you know isn't isn't bring, uh, isn't calculating a lot of sacks and for the most part I mean outside of a really bad pick six uh, last week against the Beavers um, you know a lot of them like the I mean, the other pick six was like off an offensive lineman's helmet uh, which I, I don't know how much you can blame uh, blame him for that but yeah that one was crazy that was, that one yeah, that was, was the desert magic you know yeah. like you go down to, to Tempe you know something like that's going to happen yeah they're um, always they're always good for six the other way for some, on something like that but outside of that he's 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 just playing smart well I mean there was the two picks against UCLA which pretty much is what you know killed him in the uh, against the best opponent that they play that's right and that's that's a classic like kind of trying to do too much in a situation yeah well i mean really that's my i mean honestly the 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 running stuff is sort of a it's an interesting thing to note but you know really if my biggest criticism of him as a pocket passer is that like i think he tends to get impatient you know like um he will he he will either check the ball down too early for an unproductive throw um where he probably should have like you know sought out a a more productive one or or, you know, he's like, you know, I need to throw something here. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, the, all the interceptions have been bad with the exception of that ASU one, which is just like a freak show thing. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, the the with that exception, like all the interceptions have definitely been on him. They've been like, don't throw that dude or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Um, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about in terms of sort of impatience? Do you think that's a fair way to put it? Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, there's definitely times where you'll see him check down and there was someone streaking down the sideline that, that could have been a much more explosive play. Um, That's it, probably a fair criticism. Um, it's also been interesting to me to look at his wide receiver core. Well, the, basically the pass catchers as a whole, um, because, you know, past iterations of this Washington team have been a lot more tight end centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really just not the case this year. Like it's really you know, it's much more about the wide receivers and really it's, it's much more about just two wide receivers, you know, McMillan and Odunze. Um, not that I really think that like, you know, Polk or, or Taj Davis or, you know, or bad, you know, receivers or anything. It's just like those two guys are where all the passes are going, like, you know, virtually everything. And there's very little that's going to other receivers. There's some checkdowns to running backs. Um, uh, but like in terms of the tight ends, you know, they're not really, really being used that much. And the other wide receivers, you know, out of the slot or whatever, are not really being used that much there. It's pretty much just all runaway routes by McMillan and Odunze. Or do you think I missed something? Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting because like our, our tight ends this year are catching more passes per game than they did last year. Just net. Right. Really? Um, you know, Devin Culp, he's exceeded his reception total from all of last year. Oh, you mean each individual player has more catches than that player did last year? I mean, like if you look at some tight ends, I think last year we were at four and a half receptions a game. And this year we're at like five. Now that's as a percentage is significantly lower, 
but like Devin Colt individually, he's exceeded his reception total from last year. And if you assume like Jack Westover is taking over for Kate Otten, he's he'll he'll likely exceed Kate Otten's 2021 numbers. But in comparison to the receivers, they're getting way fewer targets per game as a percentage. But a lot of that, like last year, I think we finished with like 2,700 yards receiving total. And this year we're at 3,300 through nine games. Sure. You know, so like you, I mean, you part of that is just the run pass balance has been a lot more, you know, they're just throwing the ball way more that's often, right. you know, that's, like, that's right. They're throwing the ball more often and, and more likely to wide receivers than tight ends. But if you think, I don't know on paper, you might think it's a talent issue where you have this sort of history of like, Hunter I definitely Brown, just straight up think it's a talent on. issue yeah, to be honest. Yeah. You had, you had talent. Like I think the, those five, you had talent, but I, I think with the two of them, I don't think, I don't think they're, I'm not going to put Westover and Culp in that category of what we've had, but I do, I don't think we're in a lack of confidence in either one of them as being, you know, like not, you know, they're not NFL bound per se, like as those other names I mentioned, but it's interesting. Like each one of them are about the same 6'3", 240. Um, Culp has a, a little wider catch radius, bigger little wingspan. And if you look at him physically, like he's an absolute physical specimen, but I think some of the issues with Culp has been um, really egregious drops. And the one oh, against yeah. you guys last year, there's been some really bad ones, big, bad public ones. Um, and he has had one or two, one or two tough ones this year. Um, they're just very different. Like Culp was really highly, I think, I think uh, he was initially like an Oregon commit. I want to say three or four star um, mm-hmm. where like Westover was, was a n- unra- unranked walk on. Yeah, walk on. Yeah. It was unranked walk on, but like, I mean, honestly, it looks pretty clear that he's, you know, it, like he looks like your classic, you know, football player who's a walk on, but who's like played his way into being on right. the field a whole lot. But I mean, here, uh, here, uh, let's do a thought experiment. Um, uh, it, it, uh, on, uh, through door number one is Kate Otten. You can have Kate Otten back, but he's the only tight end you have. I take every one of the other tight ends away from you. Um, or you can have the actual tight end room that exists in 2022 through door two. Which door are you opening? Yeah, sure. I mean, you take Kate Otten. I mean, if you look at, there's 10 tight ends on the, like, on the roster, and I think, there, I think only one of them, there, there's only three of them that have caught a pass. And I think one of them's only caught one pass, mm-hmm. you know, so like a bunch of them are just not, not being used um, at all. But yeah, you, you take Kate Otten all day. I think Quentin Moore has like one, like one, one catch against Portland state and one against Kent state. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got Ryan Otten, his little Kate, Kate's younger brother. Yeah. Right. Big sign. Like hopefully he'll do something in the future, but yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, um, I don't think either one of these guys are Kate Otten, but. What they do, I like. I think they pass block well, um, and they'll and they'll use. You know, I, th- I think they use him in different ways as 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 well. Like Westover, they'll put him in H back, and he's he's had some really nice fullback blocks um, on on a blind stance for the last couple of years. So um, they're like they're they're all solid. I just don't think like they, they're they're not at that same list. But I don't know if like I don't think they're. I think it's more of scheme why they're not not being used as much of like twelve personnel, and so you've got you know, nine tight ends on the roster looking for one spot on the field and any given, you know, any given play. So, well, yeah, you know, as I chart out the, uh, the, the formational tendencies, it's, well, they're pretty much always in the shotgun. It is a little tiny bit of some under center stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it's, you know, always one tight end, sometimes the second tight end. Um, and you know, the, the one tight end sets, it, it's, uh, you know, 70% pass 30% run um and two tight ends it's it's just 50 50 um in terms of run pass you know like it's you can't you can't infer the play call from two tight end sets but you 
you know, you can infer the play call from one tight end sets and mm-hmm. one tight end sets is something like three quarters of the, of what they're, you know, snapping right. the ball. Um, there, yeah, it's just a super pass heavy offense. You know, it's like, yep. it's, it, you know, it, it is not an air raid offense. It's not, you know, that route tree or anything, but it's sort of as like, uh, if you can beat them, join them, <laughs> you know, kind right, of, right. um, <laughs> Hey, running backs, uh, looks like, you know, I don't have a whole lot to say here. It looks like it's just consolidated around two guys, Wayne Talapapa, 21, and Cam Davis, number 22. Um, I, you know, it looks like at this point in the year that they're splitting carries, you know, close to 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they're both fine backs. Uh, they both, you know, block fairly well on pass protection. I don't really have a lot to say about these guys. You know, I don't think they're the greatest backs in the universe or anything, but I don't think they're, you know, uh, bad either. They'll run through the holes that you create for them. They will occasionally break tackle and make, get, you know, a little bit more. Um, you know, they, they, they seem like powerful enough. Uh, they sometimes catch balls that drop the backfield, although I have noticed a couple of drops issues, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would rate this as a pretty, you know, middle of the road, uh, running back, you know, pair. Uh, do you think I'm being unfair at all in that assessment? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, maybe it's above expectations. I think this was the room that people had the most concern about, um, early spring last year. And we were all totally wrong of who, who was going to end up being, you know, the players like we looked at Aaron Dumas from New Mexico. We thought he was going to be any like, you know, the, I, the word, word on the street is he came in 40 pounds overweight, which you can't really do at wow. five nine. So he hasn't seen the field at all. And then a Mecca Megua, yeah. you know, who was a huge recruit and just can't get healthy and has left the program. And, um, you know, and so you ended up emerging and then you didn't talk about Richard Newton, but like Richard Newton, he's probably, he probably creates the most divisive uh, opinions among fans. Uh, yeah, people love him or they absolutely hate, hate him. Um, and he'll do some things where like, you think about the, like the Cal game where he's stiff arming down the field and runs for a touchdown. That's supposed to be like a 10, 12 yard check down that can, you can see why people love him, but there's times when pass block has been a struggle for him. Staying yes. on the field has been a struggle. So he, but you know, he's, I guess he's the third guy that um, I can't ever tell week to week what we're going to, how much we're going to see him. It is kind of, it is interesting. Um, well, okay. There's, there's a bit of a mystery. Well, you know what? Let me save that for a little bit later. I want to ask you about the efficiency rates. Um, so what I have charted, I have, I've charted all of Washington's games. And uh, the thing that I, you know, basically find is that it is, in terms of efficiency, it is one of the best r- efficiency rushing games in the Pac-12. I grade them out as about at about 58%, meaning, um, you know, given the down and distance, did, did they get enough yardage to stay ahead of the sticks? You know, did they convert it from first and 10 to second and medium, you know, et cetera. Um, or, you know, third down, do they convert the third down, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, th- uh, and 58%, you know, pretty good. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, skosh under a uh, championship caliber but it's still like a, there's a lot of really inefficient rushing offenses in the pack 12 and in washington is pretty good on rush efficiency but on the flip side they're just not getting explosive runs you know really at all um you know i chart only about 12 percent of runs gain 10 plus yards um outside of garbage time and um and, and they're only averaging an adjusted 4.7 yards per carry so it's like they get enough to stay ahead of the sticks but that's like all they're getting you know mm-hmm. does that match up with your observations of, of this running attack yeah, I, I don't think th- even look at their longs. I think one's like a thirty-six, one's a forty-two. But even those yeah. are sort of outliers, and uh, and and some of it's, 
you know, we could talk about the offensive line as well, but I don't know if either one of them, I'd say are burners. I would just describe them differently. Yeah. Like what, what, what Cam brings to the table. He's Wayne's a little bit more shifty. He's had a couple of real um, tough errors. If you, you know, you look at the safety that we gave up in the end zone and mm-hmm. uh, UCLA and Cam had an amazing catch against Oregon State that kind of sealed the, sealed the game for us. Um, but neither of them are, are going to say like burners. You can, they like they'd be caught, even if they're streaking, uh, someone in the secondary could probably catch them. Well, I mean, I, I, it, that strikes me as more of a hypothetical question than anything else, because I just never see these guys get past the second level because I, I never really, I just don't think this offensive line is very good at run blocking. Um, I, you know, obviously it was a huge problem last year. Um, and you know, and there's been some interesting moves at offensive line. We're finally starting to see some of these four stars that like that, that Scott Huff has been like, uh, you know, stacking for a couple of consecutive classes. And then we never saw them. Um, mm-hmm. I what's your assessment of the offensive line? Um, how do you think that they've performed? You know, obviously better than last year is a low bar to clear. So can you <laughs> maybe be that's, a little more specific? Are you, low, satisfied? Low you could probably say that about most of every position group. Yeah, I mean, about. exactly, it's man. It's just like, that's a, is that really the standard man? Like, I can, can you give him a letter grade, for example? No, it's yeah, I think it's it's interesting. There's I like the life left side a little bit better on the right side. It's kind of interesting. I definitely it. agree with you on that. Yeah, that like there. I didn't know if we were going to see Jackson Kirkland at all this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were kind of reports about weight control, and I couldn't tell early on if he was doing that thing where you stay on campus just to train for the NFL draft, but aren't you know where you see that every now and then. But you know, he's come in. I think he's been like solid at pass pro. He can look at open up some gaps at left guard. It it's not the fastest, and if you could look, there's some really ugly tape of him downfield blocking where he's, he's just not getting anywhere fast yeah. if he has to pull or move out yeah. in space. It's it that's not his. his well, I think that's why they switch like early in the season, like against Stanford, they had him, they had him and Fountainow switched. That you know, Kirkland was still playing left tackle and Fountainow was at left guard. And then the next week, um, week five against uh, 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 UCLA, they swap them, and that's how they've been for the rest of the year with Fountainow at at left tackle and Kirkland at left guard. And I really think that's because Kirkland's just not that fast. Yeah, Um, yeah, I think it's 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 fair, and he's still probably a little bit overweight from where he should be, but. Yeah, and I think Fautani, he's like he's better at that. Um, and he's a little bit more nimble. Like if you want a good laugh, you should look at Fautani's YouTube highlight reel of playing fullback in Peewee, where he was a running back and a fullback and in, 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 as a twelve-year-old, and it's pretty incredible. Uh, but the right side, yeah, I mean, like Henry Bainavalu has been up and down. He really struggled against Oregon State, and where I yeah. didn't, didn't think he should be, where I think he had. A well, they wound up pulling him in that game. They wound yeah. up they wound up replacing both Luciano and at center and Bainavalu at right guard with um, uh, Matteo Melli and that's um, right, Mateo and Mello. Nate yeah. Kleppo. Yeah, and you start to see like how much you miss someone like Nick Harris. Yeah, you know, just that rock of that center you had for those i mean years. honestly i've been really surprised that we've never seen miles morale you know like that was like that dude's tape as a as a center um would just like was off the charts i mean there's a bunch of four stars who are sitting on the bench for washington at the offensive line um you know we i that it's sort of been uh, it's uh, to me it's been the biggest mystery the the pac-12 like the dog that didn't bark is like where are washington's four-star offensive linemen you yeah. know what i mean yeah, we would have thought. I mean, I, I would have thought we'd seen Victor Kern more. Like I thought mm-hmm. that position locked up, and yeah, it's it's fair. It's fair. I mean, it's uh, you know, I I think it's it's going to be really interesting because last week I think they had a real physical advantage the, uh, against Oregon State, and 
now you're going to come against a, an Oregon team that where you don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you really have to play uh, more as a unit than you have all season, which is, which is a lot to ask. So I grade out the offensive line is better in pass blocking than in run blocking. Um, I have, I, I have about like 17% error rate for, for everybody on the team, except for Bain Avalu, who's at up at like 26% mm-hmm. uh, error rate in run blocking, which is like really bad. And um, I, boy, I, you know, I, I don't mean to pick on a kid. Like I, I hope he and his mother aren't listening or anything, but like, boy, I've just never liked that guy. Um, not like personally. I mean, I, I mean, like he's, he's been playing for several years now, you know, he was a backup, mm-hmm. I think way back in 2019, uh, just like his tape has always sort of been bad uh, in my opinion. I was really shy. You know, that that's why I'm saying it's sort of the dog that didn't bark is like, look at all these four stars, you know, that we haven't seen. We haven't seen Julius Bulow. We haven't seen Gardner Mellar. We haven't seen Garen Hatchet. Actually, we have a little bit as a, like a mm-hmm. sixth man, you know, like a, a jumbo set stuff. You know, we haven't seen Nolan Prentice. Uh, you know, we haven't seen, you know, Miles Morale. Um, yep. You know, Victor Kern got a bunch of experience over the last two years. You know, haven't seen that guy. Um, you know, I, it's sort of like, you know, where are these dudes and why is Henry of auto playing is you know what i mean like mm-hmm. do you think i'm nuts no yeah i I, it, I think of if you look at that that line he's the one who's struggling the most um for sure i mean he has moments of brilliance but a lot of head scratching things where he's getting beat by people that i just don't think he should be getting beat by um and i don't know i mean it was a great like local kid it was a nice recruit for us and we got him um, some of these things, like why someone's playing and why isn't, um, you find out years later. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's true. I guess I'm wondering if you had any like inside dirt, you know, on that. <laughs> some of them, no. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that you hear offhand, but even on our podcast, it's stuff that we don't like, we don't, we don't talk about. Hey, podcast listener. Hey, Come you. over here. Come over yeah. here. Get over here. Yeah. Nice headphones you got in here. Oh, yeah, I like those, Chevy. Be a shame if something were to happen to those headphones, eh? Ooh, it'd be bad. Stomped them on the ground, eh? Be real easy to avoid that smashing if you went over to the Quack12 Twitter account and gave us a little follow. Just a little follow, that's all we're asking. And hey, look at that. I hear you listening to your new podcast apps in your car, huh? Driving home, making the long journey feel a little shorter, eh? Is that yeah. what he's doing there, bud? <laughs> yeah, turning your three-hour drive into a nice little vacation, huh? Be a shame if your car ended up on the bottom of a lake. Splash. Splash maybe with you in the trunk of it, huh? Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. Maybe all that can be avoided with a little trip to the quack. 12 page on apple podcast all you got to do is go to apple podcast quack 12 give us five stars yeah the internet you got it bud five stars leave us a little comment help other people find it maybe it'll help people find you when they find out that you're gone missing if you catch my drift you seen the posters on the telephone poles yeah, those are those are people that didn't give us fucking five stars. Some of them did, and we did it anyways. And then uh, you know, uh, oh hey, hey look at look at this podcast listener on their long inner inner uh, continental flight, making things not so bad. Not wanting to hear that baby 
by covering it up. Wah, wah, so they say. Putting on them headphones. Trying to get the Sky Waitress's attention. Get over here. Give me more of that Quack 12 podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you? Yeah, you want some more of that Quack 12 podcast, don't you? You want to buy some more from us, don't you? Get it. Otherwise, you know, because if you don't buy this Quack 12 podcast insurance, you never know when your plane's going to go straight down into the water, into the old Atlantic, never to be seen again. Glug, glug, guzzle, guzzle. In case you don't want to be part of the rock and roller club of the bottom of the fucking ocean, then I recommend you go to the Quack 12 Patreon. Come on, come on. Why don't you go to the Quack 12 Patreon, give us five smackaroos, and for that we can forget about the whole nasty business have you on your way. We'll forget about it. We'll forget about it, all right? Five measly dollars, that's all I got. Now listen up, punk. Because it looks like you're not seeing so good right now. My boss is talking to you, chump. Aren't you chump? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. All right, let him, let him go, Mikey, let him go. In the bottom of the fucking ocean. Ayo! Quack, quack! My grades and pass blocking for the interior of the line is actually fairly good. Kirkland, Luciano, and Benavalu actually all come in under 10% for me in pass blocking. I have not been wild about the tackles. Uh, 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 Rosengarten, and am I mispronouncing Fountainau's name? How do I, how am I supposed to say Fautanu. Fautanu, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of I, I have both of the tackles at about fifteen percent error rate, which isn't like horrible. And actually, by Pac-12 standards, it's uh, it's better than average. Pac-12 offensive tackles, my stars. Um, mm-hmm. But like, but still, I don't really think they're keeping. You know, th- this offense could really be humming if if um, Penix had a clean pocket. You know, every mm-hmm. one of his snaps, and I just don't think he is. You know, I, I think that on a a notable number of snaps the edge rush is is getting to him and he's got to throw the ball away do you think do you think i'm seeing that right yeah i think you're right i think a less experienced quarterback would probably be giving up significantly more sacks yeah um it's it, it was, that's you know also one of the your real benefits of charting is that i can take out the throwaways when i'm evaluating Penix's um you know accuracy and like because there are, that that's what happens is that the pocket breaks down he isn't really scrambling he's throwing the ball away and so on the raw the dumb raw stats chart that goes down as an incomplete pass but on my chart it goes down as like made the smart decision and got rid of the ball and right. i have to exclude those um from considering his catchable ball rate his catchable ball rate's really good and mm-hmm. his his um you know decision making in terms of i'm under pressure don't you know create uh you know make a bad situation worse you know, just throw the ball away is um is better than most um you know it's certainly better than other statue quarterbacks in the pac 12 like um well like the oregon state quarterback that he just played or like the yeah. or like the cal quarterback that he just Justice played man. or the yeah. colorado quarterback that he's about to play um in uh, two weeks time i think mm-hmm. um so, you know, yeah, like I, I don't want, you know, I wouldn't put him in the same category as some of those statue guys in the sense that like he he smartly gets rid of the ball. And so there's, you know, it's a lower sack rate. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, something to be appreciated. But on the other hand, it is something, you know, when we're grading out offensive lines, just like there's a reason why there's dudes in the backfield. Yep, um, so here is a mystery about um, uh, Washington's running game. 
um, in three of their eight FBS games, the games against Stanford, UCLA, and Cal. Uh, so the three uh, California schools that they play since they don't play USC this year. Um, uh, their rush efficiency rate is 70%, which is an incredible number. Um, it's, you know, 60% in my experience is championship caliber and 70% is like two standard deviations above that um, for three games. Um, and they're not, you know, uh, Stanford and UCLA are back to back, but then they take two games in between to play the Arizona schools and then they come back against Cal and it's back to 70% again, mm-hmm. you know, really incredible. The explosive rush numbers and the yards per carry numbers don't really change. Those are still, you know, about 4.7 and 12%. Um, but just, you know, efficiency, they are like, they're really hammering those defensive lines. However, the other five games all the states uh plus arizona uh so uh kent state uh michigan state arizona state oregon state and uh arizona um their rush efficiency is perfectly even it's exactly 50 percent so and like that's nuts like you know for for a three game set to be at 70 percent and a five game set to be at 50 percent a 20 point change is like whoo that's bonkers um and I can't find any rhyme or reason to it at all. I, 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 the reason why I started talking about something was you brought up Richard Newton, and that is actually a sort of interesting thing. Newton gets more carries during those games, but it's not, he doesn't get enough carries to really move the needle. Like, uh, the, the, you know, I, I turn that, that doesn't appear to be really the issue. Although Newton did carry the ball pretty well in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any insights or theories about why they would have been so much more efficient against those three teams, uh, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal? Yeah, it's I, I don't because they're such wild. Each one of those is such wildly different teams, and also different circumstances from you know playing behind versus protecting a lead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I was at all three of those games. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if there's anything you can glean for that. I don't know if it's just like having a good day and the team showing up or not, particularly when you're like trying to put from a talent perspective or if a defensive scheme, like, like how you can compare Arizona state, Kent state, like Oregon state, et cetera. I know. Um, I mean, like none of them really have great rush defenses, but I mean, uh, I mean, really, I, I'm I'm not kidding about that. I pulled up all of their numbers and ran all of their numbers to see if that was, you know, that was really yeah. it. And it's really not. They all have about the same, about 43 to 45% rush defense efficiency. So, you know, that doesn't, you know, like, and so 70, a 7% run rate against rush defenses that are that bad is actually not that crazy of a number, but a 50% rush rate against some of those, you know, like they should not be rushing at 50% against Arizona. Arizona is like one of the worst rush defenses in the country. You know, it was bizarre that they weren't running the ball better against Arizona. That, maybe if I phrase my question in that way, it will be more helpful to you. Like, yeah, why, Arizona why weren't they is, running the ball better against Arizona? Yeah, right? Arizona was a head scratcher, and I think that was one where you know our our analysis of it coming in is if you you know if you can't run the ball against Arizona, you, who are you going to run the ball against? Um, and and you know you don't want to go like we don't we're never going to say run the damn ball again. Um, <laughs> I don't think any of us were saying that at the time. It was kind of when everyone was just head scratching, like what are we doing here? But um, you know if, uh, the whole Pac-12, if you if you can't run against them, particularly in a in a team like well, Washington. I mean USC fell into that trap when they played them last week. I don't know. It, it took Lincoln Riley three quarters to figure out he should run the ball against Arizona. That was That's right. Pretty yeah, boneheaded. It, it's particularly when you have the talent as well. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know mean, he's got a good running back, man. <laughs> he sure does. That's right. Yeah. You guys know him well. I mean, I just feel fortunate that we, I mean, with, with zone as well, I mean, get it, getting out with a win um, and, you know, in games like that, Yeah, that was, that that was kind of a funky game. Like they, that wound up being a win for Washington by 10 points, but like a couple of different balls you know, might've been a different result. You know what I mean? It didn't feel good except for it being a win. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but no, no insights into why, you know, certain games, they just don't run at a, at a very efficient level, uh, even though they're facing not great rush defenses. Just... Yeah. I mean, if you like, listen to the coaches, they, they, they try to really, um, pride themselves in taking what the individual defense is going to give them. And that's why you see some variation, but mm. why they're having the different levels of success against such a, um, a varied crop of, of defenses across those teams that you mentioned. I don't know. That's yeah. one uh all right let's switch over and talk about the defense sure um well let me just state as an overview i i I think this defense has not been as good as previous washington defenses is that am i being too harsh uh yeah you could start probably still put in the better than last year category but in general (laughs) this is not playing up to the um the standard that i think the team set for sure I, I, you know, I would put it down to before we talk about, you know, really individual units, I, I think I, 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 I don't really think scheme has been a huge issue. Like, I know it is a bit of a different scheme um, than Pete, the, the sort of Pete Kwiatkowski uh, lineage, you know, scheme yeah, that they've right. been running for eight years. Um, you, it, the, you know, there's there's less of the sky high safety stuff. Um, the the husky hybrid, you know, safety linebacker is yeah. used in a little different way than those than the Kwiatkowski system used nickelbacks. Um, but the front looks pretty similar. You know, it's you know two down, two big down linemen, two uh, OLBs or edge guys, I guess you could call yeah. them, or two, in two ILBs, and then you know nickel in the back end, and they go to a dime a lot. Um, you know, like sort of like functionally map guys onto you know positions. And uh, even though I, I noticed when I was charting Fresno State last year or the year before last year, because Oregon opened with Fresno State, so I like really immersed myself into that scheme, and then it turns out to be useful. You know, when I'm looking right. at Washington's defense. Um, it is that like they really had a problem at Fresno State stopping quarterback runs um, to the extent that like multiple Mountain West teams changed their quarterback for the game against Fresno to put in their running quarterback and torch them wow. with it. Um, it hasn't really been an issue um, except for when they played Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yep. Um, uh, but I sort of think that's because there's not a ton of running quarterbacks that um, that they've played. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how that, you know, effect goes down. But anyway, my, my point is that, like, I don't really think that the defensive issues have much to do with scheme. I think it has to do with this sort of like the Jimmy Lake talent drain um, that happened over the last two years where a bunch of blue chips left the program and they weren't replaced um, um, due to recruiting issues. Um, is is that how you see it, too? Yeah, I mean, particularly in the secondary, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, know, yeah, I mean, losing two first round cornerbacks and replacing them with walk-ons is you know probably going to be a problem right yeah i think there's there's been a long lineage of even when we we didn't know who was coming up or we had an idea it was like you you lose buda baker sydney jones kevin king and then okay that like we're never gonna recover pass the torch like byron murphy taylor rap jordan miller and then pass the torch Elijah Molden, Keith Taylor, pass the torch, Trent Duffy, Kyler Gordon. This is the first year in the, our, our spring review where we like even hundred percent healthy. We don't have those next two guys yeah. on this roster. And then you get to a point where we haven't had the same starting secondary in any game this year. 
Uh, yeah, so there has been a lot of that. And yeah, then, you know, the that. guys who are like the guys who are who would be like the old hands, right? It, you know, Alex Cook and Asa Turner. I I don't feel like they played really great um, season this year. Did, do you think I'm wrong about that? Well, they've both been out for a significant period of time with injuries mm. as well. Um, I, I probably have more gripes with Alex Cook, which is hard because I just love him as a person. He's such a great um, locker room leader. Um, than I do with Asa Turner's play, but I don't think either one of them would, you know, would tell you they're like setting up the or playing to the standard that they're they're set. But it it's tough. I mean, you'd say I think I think some of the secondary that we had last year, because we were so easy to run on, Mish Powell had moments where he looked better than he might have been. Um, but also, I don't know if he's been a hundred percent healthy. And there's been moments where um, that's like the only excuse I can give is where he's so far off that he mm-hmm. maybe he's still not hundred percent healthy, but, and I don't think with Perryman um, we got who we thought we were going to, I mean, he was yeah. bit like big sky first team, you know, and you don't really know what that means, but I, I think we, we felt good about that. Um, and I don't think he's been hundred percent since Kent state. Um, and, and like, if he goes out, Julie Irvin's done for the season. So yeah, I, like, I don't know who you, who you look to. Well, let me ask you about some of these, you know, injuries before I, because I'm going to forget if I don't right now. Um, so yeah, Ir- Irvin is done for the season. Irvin's done for the year, yeah. Um, the cornerbacks, as you say, have had a number of injuries. I saw Devin Banks, um, the the actual human, not the Thirty Rock character. Um, okay. Seemed like he was injured during the Oregon State game. Do you have a status update on him? Yeah, I think he only ended up playing a handful of stat uh, snaps, and he shouldn't be playing a lot regardless mm-hmm. like you don't want to i mean to... he had that beautiful interception against arizona state that got him back in the game yeah, um he, he did i <laughs> got immediately got a penalty for yeah, yeah exactly yeah that, that yeah that was a nice that was a nice play and like there's there, there's moments but uh, i i still don't think i don't think he's the best option of who we have out there I, do you think he's going to be back and available this game just in terms of depth yeah, I don't think they're they're not saying anything about him, but I mm. think from how he came off and didn't come come back in, I, I would be surprised to see him. Um, I also uh, uh, for the I think the first time I saw Adefwan Ulufoshio um, yeah. playing some inside linebacker against Oregon State. Um, he was pretty d- late into the rotation. And I don't think he recorded a stat. Um, but like, is he? what's the deal have they been excited about getting him back or is this like a oh no he's not quite the same guy or what do you what what do you got on that guy oh 100 yeah i think he played i think he was out there for seven snaps um yeah. and and the goal i think it has been to uh get him on the field test things out and have him ready for uh for oregon i i don't know if that means he's gonna start or he's gonna have you know he's gonna be out there um the whole game but the 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 that's been the goal for quite some time i think is to have, have him ready for this week and at um you know full strength he's definitely a different he's definitely a difference maker and then um i thought i saw against oregon state zion tupuola fatui mm-hmm. um take a hard hit and, and go down and uh, i'm not sure that i saw him for the rest of the game after that do you have a status update on him yeah he's supposed to be full strength i mean if you believe in what the coaches are, are saying he he, mm-hmm. sh- he should be full full strength that was like a little thing that he should be back all right uh let's start out with the uh, interior defensive lineman um I think that Tuli Latuli Angusanoa is really good. He grades out very well on my tally sheet. I've liked that guy for years. Um, I think he's a good defense. And like to the, I, I think that you can almost entirely credit Washington's win against Oregon State with him personally and almost single handedly um, 
uh, winning uh, against Oregon State's offensive line and shutting down certain runs and causing that, you know, they basically have like four straight possessions, Oregon State does, w- that end in empty possessions. And almost all of them are, are it's because he shuts down a run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really like that guy. Um, do you think I'm going too far? Uh, yeah, it all clicked at the end of the game. It all clicked. I mean, I think he's probably the most talented to begin with, and then the things that we've expected from him, um, it all it all definitely clicked in, in the fourth quarter and the second half for against Oregon State for sure. Um, on the other hand, that's sort of where my praise for defensive linemen at the University of Washington ends. Um, I'm I'm just not impressed with anybody else. Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, to Atelle, uh, you know, Ale, the converted offensive lineman, you know, his footwork problems persist no matter what side of the ball he's on. Uh, Tanufi is too small. Bondis gets pushed around, and the other guys, you know, I just I really don't don't have a whole lot of tape on those guys. Um, and it seems like they're not really, you know, they don't really want to rotate more than those, you know, the first five four guys. Um, because mm-hmm. I don't really think that you know they trust you know guys beyond that. But I don't even trust the the three guys not named uh, Latuli and Gasanoa. Um, mm-hmm. do you think I'm being too harsh in that assessment? Yeah, I mean, you're always missing that big nose that we had in the the past, and kind of mm-hmm. that, you know, um, you know, the Vita Vea, Danny Shelton lineage. Um, and I, I think the edges have 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 been um, a surprise and a positive for us. I do like the edges. I just wanted to talk about them differently. Or yeah, separately. I think they're different, but I think it might maybe mask some of the um, difficulties that we've had in the middle. Um, I do like the edges. Um, well, I. I, I like three of them anyway. I like Trice and Martin and uh, Tupola Fatui. I hope he is healthy. Um, mm-hmm. I I would describe their edges as the best part of the defense. Um, um, haven't really seen much out of Smalls or Himes. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of think that they really just have a, a functionally a three-man rotation or a three-good-man rotation in Trice, Martin, and ZTF. Or do you think I'm wrong about that? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Um, I mean, Savelle Smalls is the biggest mystery of Husky recruit that we've had in mm-hmm. many many years. I it 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 happens, you know. Like I mean, this is what happens when you only recruit one five star is that you have a one out of three chance of him being really good. You know, it's just like you need to recruit more five stars, you know. And and Jimmy Lake threw a monkey wrench in that, and it's it's nobody's fault except for the guy who got fired. So, yep, yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah. and Bob Gregory, I, I, I guess it out. I hope I hope he does at some point, but. Um, uh, inside linebackers. Um, I hope that Edifone Ulfoshio gets uh healthy. Um, I liked watching him play. Um, I did, I thought it was, um, relevant and meaningful commentary that the former walk on was beating out everybody else in the room because this was Bob Gregory's room. Um, I, I am just you know, I, 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 I wrote up some questions and I had Adam email them to you, you know, the, the, the way that I did, did you get those questions? Yeah. Yeah. But the kind of grading of how they grade out. Yeah. yeah so like, you know, I really loved Sark's inside linebackers, right? You Shaq Thompson and John Timu and Zim Victor and, and Keyshawn Beria. Like I give those guys an A and I would give Ben Burkirvan and Tevin Bartlett, you know, the guy who, who come afterwards, I'd give them a B and I would give, you know, Wellington and Manu, you know, in 2019, I would give those guys a D. And then I'm looking at this group and like, let's hold out Ulufoshio because like, we're, we're not certain about him, but like the guys who have actually been playing up to this point, you know, uh, Cam Bright, you know, the transfer uh, to Patala, uh, Maul, uh, Bruner sort of surprised me because he looked, you know, really good last year, but, uh, or it was like coming on. Um, hey, Mooley's gotten a couple of snaps. Uh, like what, what grade would you give those five guys? I think it's somewhere between like the Burke Herb and Bartlett and then the Wellington Manu. 
You, th yeah, you think they're better to, than the Wellington Manu 2019 crew? Yeah, I, I mean, this is a, you could just say 2019 and put the name in. I think I'm, I'm going to have a hard time with it, but like I <laughs> think there, I think they are slightly better than that. Like if I say Tupatalo and Cam Bright just independently, um, I mean they're the but uh, you know some in that grading scheme, like they're probably a, a C. I guess it's it's solid in between those two. What's the deal with Bruner not getting more playing time? You know, I like I said, I, I thought that he looked pretty good at the end of last year. I thought he was really coming on. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm you know, he's but he's getting less reps than even the third guy, you know, Maul. Um, and, and like Bruner, just I, I don't know, I guess I'll put it this way like, he's he looks like a linebacker when I look at him, and when I am trying to locate dudes on the on the screen, and I'm seeing Bright and Tupatal and Maul, they look like defensive backs to me, you know, like they're just so small, you know what I mean? Yeah, you sound like you're on the Husky boards. I mean, this is oh, really. Like Tupatal and Camp Wright, like why why aren't we seeing more of Bruner in there? I think Maul frustrates most Husky fans. Um, Camp Wright, like that Pitts transfer, Navy captain, super solid leadership. Maybe he's not always in the right spot, um, you know. And, and, but like I think the two of them, are, we get it. But why we're not seeing a lot more of Bruner? Uh, not just the namesake is, is definitely a question mark. BT from the Dog Pod, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you have a, a decent time. I'm looking forward to this one. I hope you uh, somewhat enjoy your season. How about that? But it, it should be good. I'll be glued to the TV. Unfortunately, can't make it down to Eugene this year. But uh, go dogs. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Sean. Crack! Crack!